Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman. And the first thing I want to say tonight is it's been a weird day and solidarity, solidarity with everyone out there who's protesting against police violence tonight. And um, I know there's so much more to do. And so like truly, if you're watching this and you're like, I should be at the Barclay Center right now, please go. <laughs> We're recording this, you'll, you'll get up to it. Um, but I'm so thrilled to see the three people on my screen, plus all of the names that are coming up in the chat. It has been, well, when I started the podcast, I was just glad to have a venue from which to air my greatest pun, my like main big pun <laughs> of my life, the Maris Review. Um, and when I started, I thought two things about the Maris Review were gonna be distinctive. And the first one um, was that I was only gonna do interviews in person in a studio so that the chemistry would be there and it would be a real um, distinguishing feature of the podcast. <laughs> um, and the second part was that my, my tagline was gonna be, no book is ever written in a vacuum. So I would want to talk about the culture in general and ask um, authors about TV and film and all of these other things that it turned out just, we never get around to it. <laughs> um, and going deep on one book is, is pretty much just the way to go. And it doesn't need much more of a concept than that. And I've seen how many submissions I get and how book coverage is being scaled back at most publications. And it's just a real joy to get to talk about books every week with all of you and getting to talk to people I admire and ask them whatever I want to. So that said, please put your questions in the chat or the Q and A. Um, we'll try to get to a few of those. And um, I'm so delighted to be joined by my three prolific special guests who do as much reading and talking about books as they do writing, which, which is a real thrill for me. Um, so first up is Alexander Chi, who I met about 10 years ago. Um, Edinburgh was out. I, well, it had been out, sorry. Uh, it hadn't been reissued yet. Um, we would drink martinis at Cafe Lou. I would read his essays and be wowed. And I'm so glad they were finally collected into the just wonderful collection, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel. Um, and he's just, Alex is just one of the most generous people in the book world. And he's a teacher. And he's mentored so many up and coming, or not that no, just writers. He's just just people who want to write. Some of them are pretty big stars now. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Machado, Ayanna Mathis, Angela Flournoy, Caitlin Greenish. I'm very proud of my uh, of the Chi uh, talent family. <laughs> anyway, sorry. No, I no, please, I I love it, and um, I. I won't want that on a shirt, t-shirt. <laughs> oh, like this? Um, yeah, maybe yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. myself, yeah. That's some good merch for you. I should mention that Alex just was honored a Guggenheim Fellowship. And so he's gonna take the next year off and, and work on his work. And um, that's the coolest. Thank you, thank you. Morgan Parker. I met Morgan Parker when she was still a book editor. And then she started all of these great, she, she run, used to run the Poets with Attitude reading series and Reparations Live. And I know that Other People's Comfort Keeps Me Up at Night was her debut collection of poetry, but it's about to be reissued from Tin House with a just really, really lovely introduction by Dennis Smith. And I know also that Magical Negro won the 2019 National Book Critics Circle Award. And um, although we primarily know her as a poet, her 
foray into YA was just a delight. And I know she has a book of nonfiction coming from One World very soon. And um, not to pressure you, but uh, I can't wait to read it. Can't wait to read it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to my editor today, like, okay, um, it's definitely gonna happen, but I don't know what it is. So. We'll find out, I'm not sure yet. <laughs> and we will be patient. We will, we will wait it's, with It's you. in the we calendar, so I'll just be here conjuring. <laughs> Love it. And then, and then Emma Straub. I remember meeting her um, when she was still working as a bookseller at Book Court and I knew her from Tumblr. And I was like, oh, that's Emma Straub. And I was at Book Court when she launched her debut story collection there. And I watched her like take on the coolest big sister role at Rookie um, when that was still a thing and the coolest. And not only is she now a best-selling novelist, she, she also runs an indie bookstore with her husband, Mike, called Books for Magic, which is already a neighborhood institution. And it's been what, how many years, Emma? It'll be four years in about 10 days. Wow. We'll celebrate. <laughs> Cause I just, it just feels like such a vital part of the neighborhood. I don't know what we did without it. Um, and I'm just so excited to get back to going to events there. You don't have to scroll very far down your newsfeed to find a story about the restorative effects of collagen. It's all the rage, but it's way more than just hype. Get the very best collagen on the market from Ancient Nutrition. Ancient Nutrition has one goal, to transform the health of every individual on the planet with history's most powerful superfoods. Whether you want to improve your body, sharpen your mind, or just feel like your best self, Ancient Nutrition makes supplements that get real results you can see and feel. All Ancient Nutrition products are made from the highest quality ingredients and are rigorously and repeatedly tested for purity. Their best-selling multi-collagen protein powder includes five types of collagen. It is the first and only collagen on the market with clinically studied ingredients proven to help reduce joint discomfort as early as day one improve fine lines and wrinkles after four weeks, and transform your overall skin tone after eight weeks. It's unflavored and dissolves in any liquid, so put a scoop in your morning coffee, smoothie, or even baked goods. Proven formulas for real impact. That's what Ancient Nutrition is all about. And for you, nearest Review readers, right now, Ancient Nutrition is offering 20% off your first order when you go to ancientnutrition.com and enter the promo code MARIS at checkout. That's ancientnutrition.com. Enter promo code MARIS for 20% off your first order. One more time, ancientnutrition.com. Enter promo code MARIS at checkout. Now, back to the show. So, hello. I wish I could hug you all. I include the um, people watching this and listening to this, too. I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> But Alex and Morgan and Emma, you've all been such great advocates for writers. And so I want to hear about who was your advocate, who was your mentor, mentor, or who are the people who taught you? Um, who would you like to shout out? Should I call on someone? <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, like, I am a, a like, first talker, like cannot handle a silence. And I've been trying to train myself out of it, I, but I'm the like, same way though. <laughs> like, so we're just like, is this what we do? We'd be quiet. <laughs> well, Every time I watch like the guy back, goes first. Yeah. So. And that's so funny because anymore, I've been trying so. to be a good interviewer and that's all about just not asking questions. <laughs> Here, like a deer in headlights. <laughs> this is going great so far, Mary. I know. <laughs> I truly think so. Yeah. Morgan, right. you go. You go, Morgan. Oh, man. Um, Matt Rohrer is one that comes to mind. I met him when I was in college still, and then I studied with him at NYU. And he just, like, always was a fan from the beginning. And I went to Iowa with him. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize you guys were there at the same time. That's fun. Yes. Staring across the keg. 
<laughs> love it. That's that seems right. Smiling. And also smiling, smiling. There's a party to be to be had. <laughs> yeah, and he's always just been kind of a champion and just like there. And he's written so many books. So you know, he is someone that taught me a lot about you know not just like the poem, but making a whole book. Um, and and kind of trusting that process, I think. Um, yeah, because you don't know how to do it at first. You're just like, I have a bunch of poems. And uh, when I was in grad school, everyone was doing these like collections that were narrative or they were like a project. And I, I didn't have a project except for like, go crazy. <laughs> so, and I remember like really being nervous and going to Matt like, is this okay? Like, what's, I don't have a project. Like, is it gonna sound like too crazy and like too jumpy from one thing to another? And he was like, you wrote them all, you know? Like you wrote them all around the same time, thinking about all the same same things. So that just kind of like gave me permission to think about making books in a different way, obviously. Um, yeah, instead of just like trying to make a neat one thing. And it's, it's clearly, it's worked for you. It works okay. Well, one thing is Matt, I think a lot about this. Matt has written like way more books than most people. I, I feel like he always is like, here's a poetry book. And he just like writes all the time. I don't do that, but it's really good to remember that there's always another book that you could write. Like you don't have to do it all in one. And I think like he kind of reminds me of that because he's so like, it's okay, like there's, just keep writing, you know? And most of, yeah, and I feel like that's kind of rare for a mentor. Yeah, and that that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing to remember right now too, especially for those of us who had the genuine delight of publishing a book during a pandemic where you're like, okay, here we go. This thing that I've spent years working on and like, Ugh, and then it comes out and you're like, like, ultimately, that's where I end up, which is like, you know what? Yeah, this was not the ideal time to publish a book, but I'm going to write more books. Mm -hmm. All of these people, these amazing writers who have published books that came out this year, especially the debuts, like, it's, it's, it's a bumpy beginning and we're, and they'll write more and I'm excited about that. Um, I am really hoping that, that some people get just extensive, weird paperback tours. <laughs> yeah. Just like well, one thing I know that I've been reminding <laughs> friends who were releasing books this year is just like, books don't go away. You know, like they can take on new lives in new contexts. That's one thing that I just find is uh, encouraging and also like kind of surprising like being uh, from the editorial perspective and like in the mix in New York and like press coverage and all this shit you think it's like it's all about your season your pub season but like the books are out and like I really rarely buy hardcover because that shit is expensive so you know it's like it actually starts when the people can access it and then you know like there's I don't know. There, there's always new context that will drive people to the books because they live on and they reflect what's happening in the moment, you know? So they take on new context over and over. So I don't know. I think it's, it's okay. You know, the book will get its due moment. Uh, well, I'll go next. Yes. Um, I feel like I've, I talk a lot about some people and there's other people that I never really talk about. So I thought I would mention like the very critical intervention of Edmund White in the process, who I think has really gotten his flowers in the last couple of years. Um, uh, and it, it's not that he is someone who has like intensely mentored me in any particular way, but like these critical interventions at critical points in time where he's just sort of like, would check in after years of not hearing from him. <laughs> um, and, uh, and in a very gentle way, it, was, it started out like he blurred my first novel and gave me this incredible blurb. And I remember this very catty 
person who I will not name, um, who was like, what'd you do to get that blurb out of Edmund White? And I was like, I wrote a good book. (laughs) I'm surprised that you let the moment go to say so many other things. (laughs) That was really mature, Alex. Thank you. Because it was right We hope we can live on and grow as as books do. Um, It's ours and we can shape it however we want. Um, That's amazing. I had I thank you. I had met Edmund uh, Ed at a um, at a launch party for an anthology called Boys Like Us, um, or as I sometimes like to pronounce it, Boys Like Us. Um, <laughs> and he was in the anthology. I was in the anthology. It was my first uh, my sort of first essay in an anthology of that kind. Um, you know, and it was 1996. And it was a big deal for me. The party was at a different like books. And it was, he very kindly like sort of brought me into this whole world of gay writers in New York City at the time. And I met all these people ranging from like Randall Keenan uh, to, uh, to like the, the sort of um, the, the kind of nerdy, uh, editor types that um, who who would populate the you know the the future of my professional career to like um, to the to the sort of sassy party boys that I would knock into around town like it, it just suddenly it became like a very different universe for me in New York after basically like one party with Ed White <laughs> so, you know and then he invited me to be in an anthology he was writing or putting together excuse me at the time called Lost Within Loss which was a anthology of essays about uh, artists who had died of AIDS and he was asking each of the writers to write about people we knew who'd, who we'd lost it, uh, to AIDS and sort of consider the loss and so I wrote an essay that was uh, that would become a part of my essay collection after Peter as a result of uh, of that invitation and that was also the first time I got paid like real money for an anthology and I think it was like maybe two thousand dollars which wow you know, like, oh, for an anthology yeah in the 90s uh like it went farther. And for me, that was like, in the nineties, that was like two months rent for me. And so that, that sort of helped me make more space for my writing also um, for the, the finishing of uh, Edinburgh, which I then promptly, like he loved the essay I wrote for him. So I was like, by the way, there's this <laughs> thing I wrote that you might also like. <laughs> um, and he was, uh, he was so kind about it too, just in every possible way. It's always so gentle and kind and it really modeled a sort of welcoming uh, uh, sort of, and he, and he was never, he never creeped on me. There was never, never a stray hand, never a like, hey, come over, you know, none of that kind of stuff. I just, I don't think I was his type, but he just really liked my writing. <laughs> so, um, uh, Alex, that's amazing. Yeah, so. That's really lovely. Um, my sort of tribute to Ed White. Oh, and then one last yeah. detail is when I started writing The Queen of the Night and I was trying to do research on courtesans, I told somebody about how I was doing that. They were like, oh, you should call Ed White if you're trying to talk about courtesans. And I was like. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so I did. and. This very hilarious conversation that I will never forget happened. It went everywhere. I learned a great deal about courtesans and more. But this first thing that he said was, he said, so, so what's the title of your book that you're working on? I said, oh, it's the Queen of the Night. He's like, oh, is it about that male brothel in Rome? And I was like, book. no, but maybe it should be. <laughs> maybe I should write a whole other book. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> um, so if there, if you ever see me publish another book called The Queen of the Night, 
Part two. I, yeah. The other queen. Yes. The other queen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So good. Think, thinking about mentors, it's funny because like, you know, when you ask the question, Maris, like, you know, my, my first thought are like, you know, my, my early teachers in like yeah. you know, school and college and in grad school. But then like looking at this chat and seeing Jamie and looking at Alex's beautiful face and like, it just, it makes it like, I think I'm, it made me start thinking about like my life at book court and which was really the start of my life as a writer in New York city. When all of a sudden, like, I felt like everyone I knew was full of wisdom and everyone was so generous and like welcoming and encouraging. And it just, I mean, I don't know if that, if I was just like, young and in love with like the whole idea of it or if it was real or if I was just young it has to be period. both right like yeah. it has to be both things because that, <laughs> I mean, that's how it feels and we also make it that way you know what I mean it's like if everyone is excited about this thing and like everyone is in on being generous and enthusiastic about literature then you know you can't go wrong, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And it's, it's something where like, yeah, I feel it, it is a welcoming space because all you have to do is just be around and enthusiastic and kind, you know? Yeah. You don't even really have to be kind. I just prefer <laughs> when people are. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's I've a been whole other panel for God. people who aren't kind right. <laughs> who wanna do book things. Also part of that is the bookstores, I think, and just, that like the venues, you know, being able to see the same people at Housing Works or at Book Court or, you know, I think that, well, I know that is a part of it because I'm in LA now and it is not the same. So mm -hmm. that there is something that is built in, you know, seeing the same people every day. They become your neighbors. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it was going around on Twitter, um, Oh, I think it was Molly Templeton was asking, you know, who are the good people on here? And um, I kind of went back and thought about how important book court and word and housing works were at a very oh, yeah. important time in my life and just how lucky to have been a, a part, to be part of such a, great community and yeah it is a community and yeah it's maybe uh, I'm also a book critic and so maybe that's not like the 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 route I want to take but like god I like being nice to people <laughs> me too I wrote I wrote one book review once it was right before the vacationers came out and the New York Times book review called me and was like can you write a review and I was like uh, okay like I felt like I had to say yes because no one that fancy had like ever asked me to do anything before and thank fucking god they gave me this book about bees <laughs> it was a novel about bees called the bees by a woman named Laylene Paul. It was great. It was a debut novel. She's Brit. I didn't know her to this day. I have never met her, but I like, I thought the book was incredible and I wrote a glowing review. And afterwards I was like, I can never do that again. It was so stressful to me. The thought of writing a bad, even a mixed review of something, I was just like, that is not for me. That is not for me. There are so many people who are so good at that and so many writers who love to do it. And it just like, it made me break out into hives, just the thought of it. Yeah, you know, I, my, my I first uh, and only book review appearance was, was a Pam and I, mm -hmm. I'm still haunted by it. Like <laughs> I think about it all the time. And um, I, I at first thought I would it would give me cred. <laughs> you no, know? I made air quotes. 
cred. But yeah, it, it was it was a, a small book that didn't need to be brought down. Mm. Morgan, what were you going to say? I cut you off. Nothing, just that I also cannot write book reviews. Mm. And I, I like came to that very early, you know, when you're trying to like just, you know, be out and about and talking about books. That's always an option, but I feel like, yeah. Um, also tried to do one once and was like, no, other people are so good at it and they want to do it. And, you know, like the best I can do is a blurb, <laughs> you know, like that is what I can do. It's we, too much. Yeah. Like, it's just too much. Here's a segue. Like, oh, oh, sure. Um, I was just going to say, like, I, it's a, it doesn't pay that well either. So it ends up being expensive at least two ways. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> um, um, but, you know, that is to say, if you don't want to do it. I'm just remembering this time that I had, that I ended up like at a, this is after the, uh, the uh, election of Trump and we were doing these like Writers Against Trump events and I was at the New York Public Library for one of them and I was uh, scheduled to read um, exactly ahead of someone I had given a pretty terrible review to. <laughs> so we were standing next to each other just agreeing not to talk to each other. <laughs> um, no. Anyway, so I do that sometimes. I try to, you know, I try to like I try to find the idea that, that makes for an interesting essay. Uh, and, then, and then I just kind of go there and I try not to do what I call, what we all know is like the cupcake with a razor <laughs> review, which is like nice things. And then like one sort of like biting thing, um, you know, who needs those? <clears throat> and that's really just, that's not a review. That's just like a statement, you know, like you're a very good, reader and like a really good thorough reader so that's that's an interesting review you know it's not just like here's how I think that this stacks up you know against other books it's more you know just a perspective and those we need way more of those book reviews I would also like to see more bad reviews personally I don't know well because it's hard to I mean if everything's good then everything like what do I you know there's got to be something that isn't that good <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean I feel like there there are a few critics who I read like who who's who's deeply critical reviews of something I look forward to reading because Purple. yeah exactly like just just to watch how like her mind works mm. but but yeah, in general, I'm like, oh my God. But also, Alex, I feel like you could write like a hundred cupcakes with razor blades and no one could be mad at you because you put so much good into the world that like you're you're allowed those razor blades. And it's such a funny thing because it's not about like, I think they're, I don't know, the, the thing that I've been really keen on for the past year, and if you follow me on Twitter, you know this, is like, yes, there are some poorly written debut novels that, you know, sh we should acknowledge that they're poorly written, whatever. But also there are people who participated <laughs> in the Trump administration who are white supremacists and baby cagers <laughs> and liars and insurrectionists who are, making more money and selling more copies of books, even if it's just to the Federalist Society, um, than, than, than anyone we could, than anyone we know. Yeah. Sorry, that was a rant for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I mean, I think it's all in the same vein because it's like, just call it what it is, you know, like just say what it is. These people are terrible, like, listen, you did a good try. You're going to be fantastic. You know, like it wasn't perfect. I don't know. I'm kind of like, I know it wasn't perfect. Tell me what the sticking points are. It's interesting to me. Um, yeah. But not in a, I think people think of 
it as like, oh, I don't want to bully or whatever, because like that is the inclination culturally, but it doesn't have to be that. Like it can just be, we forget that honesty is like an option, <laughs> you know, like clear and precise honesty could be an option. <laughs> and I look at all of us and think like, yeah, I don't think we're, we're really gonna do bullying. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> so I've, my stacks of books have always been unwieldy and I'm worried about busy and if, if things are going to fall on her. And I know yours must be too. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how do you prioritize what you read? And even if that includes giving blurbs or receiving blurbs or reading someone's work before it's published. Um, just, there are so many different ways for you to read. And I, I wanna hear about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll start with this. Like my reading, oh God. I mean, it's, I, I read more now. Like now that I have Books Are Magic, I, I definitely read more, um, but it is, it, I read in such a weird way. I mean, not weird to people who work in bookstores or people who work in media because I just, you know, I read three months, six months ahead. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get what I, what I feel like I miss right now with, like I read galleys for the store. I read galleys for like our subscription picks, things like that. I read galleys for blurbs. Some today, today, this is, it was ridiculous. I opened a package at the store and it was like, not even a bound manuscript. It was just, it was like pages that someone had printed out and there was no name on it. There was the title of the book and no name on it. And like on the second page were two epigraphs and, <laughs> and one of them was Toni Morrison and Mike looked over, he was like, Toni Morrison. I was like, no, 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 no. Not like I didn't like discover a new manuscript by Toni Morrison, but like, I don't know what this is. And I had to Google it to discover what it was and why it had been sent to me. But I mean, so mostly that's what I read, right? Like mystery packages that don't even have a name on them, but- It sounds like the beginning to a mystery novel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, it would be, it would be a good one and I would read it. Um, but, but I, I feel like what I really miss right now is like, you know, the thing that I hope everyone gets when they walk into my bookstore, which is that feeling of just like wandering and looking and being like, Oh, right. I forgot about that writer. I loved their other book. Oh, they have a new one. Or here's this book they wrote 20 years ago that I never heard of like that kind of, reading is the best reading and I never get that and it's a bummer that's my answer oh no Emma Sorry. maybe we can ask for some recommendations for Emma later on I have the books I have the books I just don't have the time to read them yeah 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 Alex I so I because I also teach writing and uh you know I think I it's every day is like a like a, a book mutter or something where I'm just like hauling through, you know, Dustin comes up with the mail and he's like, oh, look what arrived, it's books. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, uh, you know, and I, um, and there's things that I'm trying to read for the courses that I teach. Uh, and then there's, uh, then there's things that I get sent for blurbs and and there's things that I, I get sent because I because I do review books, and so it becomes like a I forget sometimes that I can go to a bookstore and <laughs> buy something um, that it, that it's not just like the universe of what gets sent to me, um, and uh, which sounds <laughs> shockingly spoiled. Anyway, so um, so yes, I uh, I do I love having uh, Still North books. In Hanover now, um, mm -hmm. in addition to uh, to our beloved Norwich books in Norwich nearby, um, and uh, and then there's 
I found this used bookstore near me called Starcat Books, which is like Starcat. Yeah, it's um, used science fiction and romance. Awesome. Um, and so I like to go trolling up there. And um, then there's also this uh, this service called Boxwalla, which is um, pretty cute, where they where you subscribe and they send you like two books every month um, that they choose, and they're always interesting. Uh, choices and sometimes beloved um, and uh, so yeah it's just it's just like a onslaught I, I mean I am surrounded by books book stacks on every side of me right now and I'm sitting at a desk that has a bookshelf built into the front of it um, <laughs> I'm also uh, currently commissioning from my neighbor across the way who's become a furniture maker uh, some custom bookshelves uh, to come in because the downstairs of my house right now looks like a bookstore really because there's just like stacks of books on all the surfaces and um, <clears throat> and so I um, yeah I don't know that's I, I, I don't know if I make priorities I just kind of uh, look at I love it and sometimes you do triage by literally walking into things, huh? Um, Morgan? I um, I also read things that are sent to me. I like, I'm really, I can't usually do the blurbs on time. I do like a handful, but after a while I cannot, but I, I do usually read the books and I would like everyone to know that too, because you know, by the time they come out, I want to, you know, be able to celebrate them even if I couldn't get my words out of the back. But so I do spend a lot of time reading, you know, poetry manuscripts, uh, for like most often first poetry manuscripts and then stuff um, by friends. Uh, Kristen's book, I just got, you know, I just started Forsyth's book, Justine. So yeah, I mean, the same ones you guys get <laughs> and, you know, and I also ask, I'm like, I know that I can't like read everything on time and maybe it will take three years, but like, I want that and I want to read it, <laughs> you know? So I do try to um, make sure I have the ones around and yeah, I have bookshelves, but uh, they're mostly full. And also <laughs> I just take stuff out so that I have that bookstore feeling kind of where it's like, oh, I forgot about this. Like, oh yeah, that got mailed to me and it, you know, was under something. And now, oh yes, perfect day to read this, you know? So there's a little bit of that. Um, and I'm, I usually am reading like a couple of things at a time. Uh, I read for research a lot. So like mostly this past year I've been reading um, this book called The Black 70s, which contains a bunch of essays uh, about what you would think uh, and mostly also reparations. So <laughs> I've just been like, I, I exist in like a different time period. So I mostly have been, you know, there. And then um, I have poetry books that I like return to a lot when I'm feeling stuck. Um, yeah, I try to, I probably read a June Jordan a week sort of thing, you know, take some time. Um, so I guess that would be the only prioritizing I do. Mostly I'm just like, oh, I don't read enough, but I do, you know, prioritize like coming back to a center that is, you know, either a homies book or June Jordan or something that I, that like reminds me, um, what reading is and can be. Cause you know, it's, it does get it gets hard and confusing when you're doing it for work all the time. Um, so I find that I have to remind myself to like do the thing where you're rolling around in the words and it just feels good, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I, I tr I've tried to go back and because one of the things I'm really good at is reading front list and like knowing what's out right now or what's coming out in three months. What I don't know is like what was out in 19, well, 1970 something. Mm -hmm. And like, the, I just feel like there are going back is, is something that I would love to be able to do more of. 
harder to interview those authors. <laughs> That's why I don't work in, you know, in any kind of press media sort of thing, because I'm always looking behind me. <laughs> and, you know, when you're like deep in that, it's like, I can't even, you know, deal with books that have text messages in them, you know, like, it's just like, first I have to understand what happened before to get there almost, you know, so I, yeah, I get that. I know that I can't stay ahead. That's why I'm like, they'll be here when I get to them. When I emerge from the 70s, then I'll read, you know, what was once frontless. <laughs> Forsyth Harmon is uh, another one of my students. I'm very happy for her and proud of her. Yay! Such a beautiful love Forsyth. I love your team. What? <clears throat> I definitely want this t-shirt. <laughs> Angela and, <laughs> and Caitlin. I love it. <laughs> um, and, and so we spoke about the reading part. Now, how do you prioritize your actual work? Um, <laughs> over yeah. all of those piles. That's my answer too. <laughs> <Laughter>. <laughs> I, started, comfortable. I have started writing on uh, on my phone. Oh. Um, I started dictating also, uh, which can get a little weird when your voice dictation software goes awry. Because um, then you're like, was, was that it really? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I do that, I guess, what's something I've learned about myself is that I really needed to not feel like I am sitting down to write. Like, if I do that, then I just sort of sit there and I'm like, I, or I just go back to a notebook. Um, like, like this. And, uh, and then there's no notifications on it. And I, I just sort of like, scribble away. Um, so that's kind of how I do it. And I, I have to give myself like a set time. The dream I'm trying to get to is um, three hours a day with no interruptions. Mm. That's the dream. So that's what I'm trying to move into. I had, I, my, one of my um, <clears throat> mentors, Kit, the late Kit Reed, who was a total badass. She had a fiercely protected schedule um, she did all these things at the same time, basically every day. So she like rode from nine to 12. Uh, she had lunch, uh, after that, then she would walk her dogs with her husband Then she would go to the pool and she would swim. Then she would like, uh, you know, if she had a class to teach, she would teach a class, um, or she would see a movie with friends or, or all these kinds of things. But it was really like, was really regimented. The thing that never shifted was that the writing was at the same time every day and you could not interrupt her. And that was like the first thing she told you when you took her class. Um, she, said something, she said something really funny that day where she was like, don't come by and ring the doorbell. And I was like, who would come by and ring your doorbell? And that was because I was just a, like a, a, a slip of a boy who didn't really know how crazy it would all get um, with teachers and writing. So anyway, that's, uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I love that. I love that. I am... Um... So, so yeah, this year, man, I gotta say having two children, you know, two small children and a bookstore in a pandemic was, uh, it was like, for, so I didn't write a word from March until September, mid-September, late September just because I couldn't. Um, but then as soon as my kids were going to school, even part of the time, and as soon as we could safely have some childcare, I turned into a machine. And I like, not quite Kit Reed level, like these are my hours, don't dare ring the doorbell but like I I mean honestly I haven't been this like focused and like hard on myself like just not hard on myself but like 
you know, I haven't stuck to my own sort of like pay, weekly page count things since I was 22 and trying to write novels for the first time and was like, well, what do you need, right? You need pages so I can write pages and I can write 25 pages a week and like bing, bang, boom. Then I have a terrible novel that no one will ever, ever want to publish. But this time I like, I wrote 10 pages a week and <clears throat> sometimes almost always that felt like so many pages, like an insurmountable number of pages, but I could barely do it. Like I could just do it. Um, and it felt so good. Like it, it just, it's so nice. And it's like, it, it was a reminder to me that like, like when I wrote All Adults Here, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna like go with the flow. And like, it turns out that that is not for me. Like, it is just not for me. It just, I just went all, it, it was a huge mess. And it took me a really long time to figure it out. And with the book that I'm working on now, like I feel much more focused. And I think it's because I finally was like, okay, the, this this is the time you have person whose job this is. And so like, th this is when you're going to do it. Um, and it's so fun. Oh my God. I feel like writing for me since this fall has been the most fun that it's ever been maybe just because I was not able to do it for so long. And I was like, Oh God, this is my job. I love that this is my job. Mm. That's great. Every day I wake up and I want to be exactly there. <laughs> I know that it's a possibility, but uh, I'm not there yet. And you know, I really do say to myself, I'm like, you know, okay. 15 more years, Morgan. Like, don't shit on yourself. Don't give up on yourself for like, you know, you can be 45, like, and <laughs> until then you can still not really know how to do this <laughs> because it's like to find a rhythm like that. I can't, I just can't imagine doing that yet. Like committing to this is just my way. And I've, first of all, I've never, I've never been good at that. Like I'm, I don't, I can't think of anything that I do every day. <laughs> no, no, no. A couple things, but like mostly <laughs> I'm horrible at routine. No, I will not because there will be some notable absences. <laughs> I, I, so yeah, I'm just, and I know that about myself, but I still am like one day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be a girl who goes to yoga and makes a juice and like has a bon ponytail and like does my job for this many hours. And then like, you know, like I just always think like that has to be the way. And I think there's probably a medium place for me, but I, yeah, I, I need to get to the spot where I'm not like pushing too hard to get to that place, you know, and like accept that I won't always be doing it like the way that I want to. I'm still in kind of like, just make it work, you know? Like figure it out. And like once a year I come to like a crisis of self. And <laughs> once a year I come to that moment where it's like, I love that this is my job. Like how rad and it's so fun. Um, but then it's gone, you know? So then I wait, wait for the next valley or peak, you know? So, but it's also, it also depends. Right now I'm in a place where I'm, like I'm not writing poems. Uh, I'm writing like three other things, you know? So my brain is in a million places where I'm like writing an essay and then I'm working on another thing. And then I'm working on movie for my YA, which is fun, but also a thing that's super unfamiliar. <sighs> so I'm like, and I kind of had a whole thing over this past year because I took on a couple of things that I haven't done before. And I just realized like, well, how can I ever figure it out <laughs> if it's always gonna be, and I know that every book is different. I already know that. 
but it's harder to gain that like, all right, I'm on, you know, like I feel confident and ready, you know, when it's always like, I've never done this, you know? Like I didn't know I could write a novel until I finished the last sentence. Cause before that I was still, even last page, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can end a novel because I have never seen myself do that. So there is a lot of, um, it's hard to find a groove when everything is like brand new, uh, first day of school. So I'm trying to like be easier on myself about that and just like figure out how I can balance it right now. And know that how I can balance it right now is not how I'll be able to balance it in three months or whatever. And just kind of stay on my toes, I guess. Yeah. That's um, the attempt. <laughs> What, what if your secret is that you're just always good at doing new things? Mm. I mean, I, I, I have to do new things. Like I've learned that otherwise, you know, because it's like, it's really hard. And I could have just, you know, like I got good at poems and I could have just, you know, kept getting better at that only. But it is like, I, I think my creativity depends upon it. So mm. learning that about myself, accepting that about myself, that was like the first thing. Uh, and now, you know, getting into a rhythm or routine that also allows for like seven routines <laughs> for seven different projects, you know, I, I think now knowing that my whole work day is going to look different than, you know, what seems enough or regular, whatever, um, like I can't count pages. I can't do anything like that because I just feel like my writing doesn't happen that way and it also can't and um I am at age 33 trying not to set myself up for anything that will make me shit on myself like it, anything I'm really trying to like narrow down uh yeah all the fuel <laughs> so it's like no big deal it's okay like look you wrote this thing um it's all happening and you know also I think a lot of my process is like not at the computer. I mean, I write, I start stuff on paper, but I also like when I'm walking the dog, I have sentences in my head. This is why I can't like have a meet cute. Cause I'm like, <laughs> like I'm just like reshaping a paragraph uh, in my head. So like, I, I think a lot of my, my practice is happens when it happens and it happens a lot in my head before I even get to, you know, the place of like writing it down. Sometimes it's gotta be that way. Um, <laughs> before we, um, yeah, this, this is flying by and I, I wanna stop time and, um, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I just wanna get to a different time when we can all be in the same room. Um, but for now, let's talk about book recommendations. Um, and in particular, I wanted to guide you a little bit. Um, and tell me about books that are either coming out soon or have been recently published that are on your radar now, or even better, Tell me about that weird book that came out in the 60s that I probably never read and probably never even heard of. And um, tell me about how I should get lost in that. I know everybody look at your bookshelves. <laughs> I'm, my problem is that I'm in my office where I only have my own books. It's terrible. I have I'm a, always really embarrassed that I have my own books on my shelf. Like, I need it, you know, like yeah. if I'm doing a reading at my desk, I have to, you know, but yeah. it still feels tacky to me. <laughs> like, obviously I have to have my own books, but like, it feels weird to have them on my own shelf. <laughs> okay. Oh, what does Alex have? H Mart. Pops oh, crying in H Mart. What's, what's the third one, Alex? Uh, after parties. Oh. Oh, yeah. So. And pop song by pop Larissa song by, Larissa. Um, by Larissa Pham, if you can't read backwards. Um, yeah, H-Bar, which just, I think, came out this week or last today. week. No, today. Today? Um, I love that cover. 
Yeah. It's really good. Right. Um, and, uh, and yes, coming this summer, Anthony Bass is so the beloved. Um, so those are, those are a couple. And then also, uh, yeah, uh, Melissa Phoebos and, uh, Arisa White. Oh, daddy. She's so good. So those are, there. Alex is <laughs> Alex is very <laughs> precise, Alex. That was thank you. Up. That was like organized. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. That's just the stacks around. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Everyone's like, okay. Yeah. Hold on. I should have brought props. All of my galleys are downstairs in my bedroom. Um. <laughs> okay. Morning. Safia El Hio uh is a poet uh that i know and love and a sagittarius but um this is her young adult novel in verse um which is amazing because it sounds so like i'm familiar with her poems and i read this and was like wow it's like i mean it's your poems but it's this beautiful coming of age story also um yeah i i thought it was really beautiful it's called Home is Not a Country. This book of poems by uh, Roya Marsh. I, it's been out, I think, maybe like two years or something. Called Daylight. Knocked me off my feet. And just like I hooted and hollered and laughed and like screamed and like sucked my teeth so many times. It's really fantastic. Um, yeah. That's a and very then, specific, uh, sucking your teeth is a very specific reaction. To it is. And like that is, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get across. I mean, this is part, this is like a page. <laughs> like, it's just out. I mean, it's just so free. It's just great, you know, um, and visual in that way. So yes, I highly recommend um, and then this is one that I'm always going back to that's like, as maybe from the 90s, Laughing Fit to Kill. It's like about black comedy and mm. I love it. Um, and it's, it's just like super smart and like is everything that I care about, like jokes about slave ships and, you know, just like laughing to keep from crying. But um, yeah, and like the tradition of storytelling and joke telling Love it, I love it. Um, lo and plus this cover is Richard Pryor. <laughs> great. great cover. It's a great to have on the coffee table when new people are coming over. <laughs> um, oh God, I wish I had props. I don't have any props. Um, okay, so I'm just gonna visualize the stack uh, next to my bed right now. So Leah Johnson wrote one of the YA books that I loved most last year, which was called You Should See Me in a Crown. And she has a new book coming this summer. I think it's coming out this summer called Rise to the Sun, which I can't wait to read. I loved You Should See Me in a Crown so much. Um, I just started the new Colson Whitehead, The Harlem Shuffle, which is like Oh my God. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. I just like, I had this thought about Colson the other day, which was like, I mean, it's probably not true, but I, I thought like, does Colson ever think like maybe the book that I'm writing is not good? Like he probably doesn't even think that he probably doesn't even have that thought. Right. Like he's probably just like, yeah. no, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. <laughs> um, it's so fun. It's just like, it's like musical and great. And I love that. What else is next to my bed? A new Elizabeth Strout novel just dropped out of the sky today, yesterday into my lap. It's got an exclamation point in the title. I don't know. It's like, it's more Lucy Barton. It's more Lucy Barton. She, she is amazing. Like what, what I love about Elizabeth Strout, she, when she was at the store, I was like, so all of your books are sort of like connected and they're all, you know, this character will show up over here, over here, over yeah. here. And she was like, <laughs> she looked at me like I was 
a moron and very nicely, but you know, like from Maine. So like I was born and she was like, yeah, it's like all a giant piece of fabric. Like it's all, and I was like, man, that is amazing. I just love her. So that, those are the things that are like top, top of the stack. That's what I love it. Yeah. Love it. Well, Alex and Morgan and Emma, thank you so much. This was as fun as I knew it would be. Um, and before we go, I also want to just say thank you to my producer, Justin Alvarez and Johnny Diamond and everyone at Lit Hub. And thank you to Josh for being the best and for taking care of Busy when she is not the best, which is sometimes. <laughs> um, and thanks to all of you. This has been so fun. And um, I hope... Uh, for the 200th episode, uh, we can celebrate in person somewhere. Yeah. Congratulations, Maris. Your podcast is wonderful. You are wonderful. Thank you for all of the work you put in. Yes. It's terrific. Thank you for giving us so much of Indeed. you. Yeah. You're one of the uh, you're one of the all-stars on uh, Team Book <laughs> uh, NYC and um and i i just i can't wait to see where the maris for you goes next and where the maris does also thank you <laughs> i I'll miss you guys there. so much i miss you brooklyn i'll be back soon i promise <laughs> thank you for listening to the maris review and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.